This is Matthew Connery. Corey Thistlewood. And Jeremy Sitnik. And welcome to another episode of Times Before Can Be Forgotten. So this episode is called In the Event, and as we appreciate this area and uh, discuss so much in our last installment, it's hard not to think of this area and associate it with all the great events that we've gone to, places that we've gone to. I think our relationship with Boston is key to enjoying this area and getting the most out of the experience, and it got us thinking about some of the events that we've been to definitely not all in Boston, but probably around that hub. And uh, Jeremy, some initial thoughts uh, when you think about events in this area. Well, they range from sporting events to concerts, maybe not even necessarily completely in this area. Some of us have traveled to other places for stuff. Definitely. yeah, that's pretty much it. And where are we traveling in the uh, in the mobile podcasting oh, today? Yeah. Uh, we're uh, through the airwaves at 25 miles an hour this week. We're going to go a little bit faster. Uh, from the area, as always. Corey, you think events. What's the first thing that comes to mind? Where, where do you see yourself? Just at a Pearl Jam concert. Thank you for just getting that out of the way. <laughs> All right. <laughs> just, you know me. Uh, it's, it's almost going to be hard as I was thinking about this episode not devolving into just 30 minutes of Pearl Jam concert <laughs> memories. Uh, Too bad. Tough. Huh? It's tough. It is tough, uh, but we're, we're committed. We're going to spend some time on Pearl Jam today, but uh, we're going to talk about some other things too, but since you brought it up, Corey, first Pearl Jam show, go. My f- it, The first Pearl Jam show that comes to mind is my first Pearl Jam show. It's Augusta 96. Nope. Um, that was my introduction 20 years old and just baptized in it Mm. uh jeremy same question first pearl jam show that comes to mind or the first one that you went to well Mm. first one i went to was with Corey, uh ben and kevin and in augusta same augusta show the civic center um felt like a expedition getting there driving from raleigh to augusta at 20 years old Right, picking up um, Mr. Sean Hanley on the way. Not the last time we're going to mention Sean Hanley's no. name today. Just, just getting that out there. <clears throat> um, it's only an hour and a half, or no, no, it's like two it's hours. It's two hours, yeah. Yeah, it felt like forever getting there, though. Probably. I thought it was three. It felt like three. Let's let's litigate this for the next fifteen Shall minutes. Shall we? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, <clears throat> I gotta say, of the three of us, because my first Pearl Jam show was also in 96, I was not in Augusta, I was in the Meadows in Connecticut. Which I went to also. And it pisses me off that it took us till 96. 
yeah. harder to do mm-hmm. back then. And uh, res- respect to Joe Liguori for making it to the Orpheum or yeah. the Garden or both, actually. Oh, yeah. I know the Orpheum for sure. Yep. He was at one of those early shows. Really I early. I think put on a live CD. Yep. I have that CD. Yeah. Uh, not from Joe, but that's, yep. you know, they put everything out. I think he was at the Orpheum because honestly, yeah. I don't think I'd ever heard of the Orpheum yeah, before he went there. The Orpheum, <clears throat> I but I, I remember vividly sitting in Mrs. Davis's social studies. I'm not sure if it was Canada, Latin America, Russia, one of them. And uh, he was telling me about the show. Pretty but yeah, crazy. didn't make it to anything earlier than the what? The No Code Tour. Yep. Yeah. 96. Yep. I can remember when uh, I was 1992. And uh, like a bunch of the, I was friends with a lot of guys who were a few years older than me. They and all all went off to college. Brian Hickey had gone to U Lowell. Yeah. And uh, I was like a Tuesday night, and I'm a sophomore sure. in high school. And he's like, "This band's coming to play in the cafeteria at Lowell." It was Pearl Jam, and it was a school night. I did not know this. And I could not go. And it's one of those. <laughs> oh. I know someone who was there also who went to Lowell at the same time. And he actually lives in Merrimack, a huge Pearl Jam fan. Shout out Pete Fairson. Um, and he was there actually too. Damn, I have never heard that before. Yeah, it's pretty crazy. It's one of those missed opportunities. Yeah, that's that's tough. <laughs> but this isn't about missed events. This is about events we went to. <laughs> right. Well, speaking of, of getting it out of the way, uh, I, I dug back into the archives. You have written 448 uh, verses and counting. Uh, this one is a good eight years old. Uh, back to verse 152, there's a, there's a little bit of a gimmick in here, but I won't acknowledge it. I'll just get right into it, and again, we'll, uh, we'll eventually move on from the Pearl Jam section of this pod. Uh, this is verse 152. The real impact began on the school bus in Newbury in the spring of 1992. I had become familiar with Pearl Jam's Alive, enough so to purchase the cassette 10. I was rewinding the tape over and over again on the ride home from Triton, listening to Alive, and not yet discovering the rest of the album. Once, I rewound the tape too far beyond the beginning of Alive and discovered something incomprehensibly new. The first time Evenflow infested my ears, a permanent cultural shift changed me. I sought asylum in its emergence. I was swallowed whole by the tidal force of Eddie Vedder breaking into the chorus. From the first chord, it was a labyrinth of raging sound, both musically and lyrically compelling. It unlocked the rest of the album for me and donned a narrative that has lasted 25 years. In Philadelphia last week, I was seething in excitement to see them live for the first time in several years. My wife and I got some food and beer at a pub before the show, but I was conscious of wanting utter sobriety once the show began. I've gone drifting through many shows in a euphoric, if not inebriated, haze, only to have the details of the event dissipate into thin air in the following days. I wanted more than a brightly lit tableau of images from the show, seeking immersion amongst the waves of their evening of anthems. In the hours preceding the concert, I ruminated over the imperative I've placed upon this band. I tried to put my finger on the arc they've made over my life and why it's been so important to me and others. Rooted in the school bus transcendence of those first songs, a generational galvanization spawned. They branded time at a developmentally palpable moment, crucially unifying those they carried, first in the current of its big wave, then the resulting oceans. 
Every album was deep, and our collective exploration was a force of socialization. Every concert was a renewal of faith. I remember Joe buying Vitology in 1994 on vinyl, two weeks before its full release on CD. He recorded it carefully onto cassette, then came over to my house for me to copy it, giving me my first exposure to the album while we were home from college on Thanksgiving break. I remember standing outside White Hen Pantry with Sean Hanley in the fall of 1996, smoking cigarettes and anticipating which songs from No Code, their latest release, would be played at the show we were going to in Connecticut in early October. I remember going with Jeremy Sitnik just prior to his wedding in 2005 to see them at the Garden where we belted out lyrics in hysterical, supersonic exaltation. All those yesterdays weave an unbroken collectivization over 25 years without a moment's indifference. Part of what's enabled Pearl Jam to always subsist unwaveringly in the present tense is their insistence on evolution. What began raw and wild then focused into an even intensity, from their albums to their shows. In the 90s, it was a lightning bolt of energy and angst. The other night in Philly, they were having fun without diminishing their force. We have evolved with them as they have with us. They've humanized, lashed out socially, followed in our footsteps, yet always led the way. They also avoided the in-band drama that can be alienating to their base. I'm open to the idea that some of their social peculiarities along the way are of insignificance, but I would argue their importance. It mattered to me that they challenged Ticketmaster in front of the Supreme Court. Their grievance with MTV and subsequent refusal to make videos was similarly appealing. It was relevant and edgy and showed they were inner-driven. Their wrath was embedded in principle, which infused their music with blood and potency. They weren't trying to stand for something. They were trying to be something. It was a struggle sometimes reflective of who you are as a person, as a fan, and as an individual. For a quarter century, Pearl Jam has walked a long road into rock immortality, sometimes doing so even in hiding. Their resistance to messianic fame was attractive, and their reclusiveness early on gave them mythic properties that in no way disconnected them from their fans. The annual Ten Club Christmas gift was, more than once, the most anticipated gift of my holidays, and an unprecedented gesture. They proactively cultivated a relationship with their fans out of authentic affection and appreciation and not as a branding strategy. Even the other night in New York, there was a typical example of their relationship. As quoted in Pancakes and Whiskey, Eddie addressed a young woman from their show at Madison Square Garden. Is there a way, because you've got a great seat right there, but you're right in front of the guy behind you. Can you go back and maybe get right behind him or something? Would that be all right? Eddie politely asked one woman before the encore, who happened to be standing in front of a man in a wheelchair. There's a poor guy right between you. I'll come closer to you. I'll keep all kinds of eye contact, whatever. You won't miss a thing. I'll blow you a damn kiss. I'll do all that stuff, he said with genuine affection. I'm not easily starstruck, and I think it's goofy to make very much of celebrities, but Pearl Jam has come to mean a great deal to their fans, more than the sum of their parts. The reason why is because they're our town square. They're the meeting point for a legion. They're a pendulum of outlet and solace, silence and sirens, black and white, and the contrast between is the quad we've been hanging out in for 25 years, smoking cigarettes, drinking beer, and talking about every riff, every lyric, and every appearance. It's what we have, 
and they're for us, not for you. So for anyone listening at home, uh, there's what, maybe 35 or 40 song titles that are embedded in, uh, in that verse. So I'll, I'll let you see how many that you can pick out there if you, if you feel so inclined. That's why the writing is a little clunky. But I do stand by the, the theme of that. classic verse. Right I love there. that one. Yeah, I remember when it came out. Yeah. I remember its release. <laughs> very, very nice. Well, what was cool about that tour in particular, I was living in, in Pennsylvania, which is why my wife and I saw them in Philly. We all went to a show, I believe, as part of that tour, but we were all in different cities. That yeah. was, oh, uh, oh, no, 16. Oh, yeah. I feel like you went to South Carolina or yep. somebody. Yeah, am I right? Went, yep. Yeah, we went and surprised Mikey for his birthday. That's right. In Columbia? That was a good venue. That was probably the second smallest venue I saw Pearl Jam at other than Augusta. Really? Yeah. Corey, did you make that one? I did not. Did not. Um, Fenway, they just came up with their tickets for Fenway, I think, this week. They did. No luck. Uh, Amy had a reminder set in her phone and kind of work got in the way. Yeah. We didn't get tickets, but... Tickets are always available. Right. Like we've, yes. I felt like it's always been like a panic to try and get tickets at right. first. And then you get down to the end and you'll find some of them. Right. It's, it's solvable. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Do we dare move on from Pearl Jam? I'm going to circle back. So I, I, one of my favorite memories of my life, maybe not even just being at a concert, but we talked about their humanity in there and the fans and all of that stuff and uh, I just I was with Sean Hanley at a concert and this was the night after what should have been my favorite Pearl Jam memory ever I drank wine from Eddie Vedder's bottle from the front row and uh, the next night was in the balcony, didn't think it could compare but the music was so heavy and the heads were banging so hard that I head banged my glasses off the balcony mid-show <laughs> and I had to drive home and I couldn't see the show I couldn't see the concert and I had nothing to do but literally go down into the swaths of people and try to find my glasses and I couldn't and I sat down and I put my head between my legs and just about started to cry when someone came up and tapped me on the shoulder and said hey these hit me in the head you aren't looking for glasses are you and only at a Pearl Jam concert could you throw a pair of glasses from the balcony into a mosh pit <laughs> and have someone come looking for you afterwards. That's pretty awesome. So those are Pearl Jam people. And, those are Pearl Jam people. You know, that's, uh, yeah. that's, we'll move on from there now, but. I've never heard that term before, but Pearl Jam people, that's a real thing. Jammers. Yeah. Uh, you know, again, we've seen them a bunch of times. Uh, Amy and I. In 2018, they were doing the stadium tours. So yep. it was Fenway, Wrigley, uh, Safeco Field in Seattle. Yep. And they also played uh, Missoula, Montana, yep. uh, Jeff Ahmed's hometown, basically. Um, so we got tickets to Seattle and went out there. Only went to one of the shows. <clears throat> um, the Wilkinsons were out there. And uh, Adam Fowler, actually, too, and his wife were there. So it was like a, like people I really hadn't seen since we went to high school together. Wow. And uh, hung out with them a little bit, you know, well, the whole time we were out there. But uh, the show 
that we went to was during the time that a guy hijacked a jet from SeaTac Airport and was flying it around the, the bay out there um, on his own doing barrel rolls and loop-de-loops and he was suicidal and a guy next to me at the show that popped up on his phone and he said look who ironically was from North Andover um, said check this out so here we are sitting in Safeco Field with a lunatic flying around less than 10 miles away from us in a jet trying to crash the thing and luckily nothing happened but it was that's like a crazy memory from a Pearl Jam show for me because it was just like what the yeah that's it that's awesome. That's all I got. I didn't know, did not know that. I, yeah. I know you and I, I believe we were at the same Fenway show in 18. Yes. I don't remember if, I, I couldn't tell you if I was first night or second night. Um, guy from Buffalo Tom came out. Yeah, yeah. That was the night. Yep. You, you and I were both there. Yep. You were in the stands. I was on the field, if memory serves. Yeah, we were <clears> in the bleachers because we, <clears throat> yeah, we had gotten tickets. Or not the bleachers. Yeah, the stands. Yeah, yeah. Um, and. Yeah, we went to both nights that year, um, and ironically sat next to the same guy from North Andover. Oh, shit. One of those nights. <laughs> there was bananas. <laughs> shout out Lenny from North Andover. Uh, and shout out uh, Shane Hanley for Pancakes and Whiskey. I exactly. gotta, uh, gotta reference his good work. Oh, excellent. And how about that 18 Fenway show, Being Outside? Yeah, that was a good show. The yeah. video that popped up. Yeah, I have a similar memory. Of them singing? It was a release from outside of Fenway. Yeah, it was amazing. All right. Dare dare we move on? Uh, We probably should. I think so. Um, Yeah. Think events. All right, well, we've gotten Pearl Jam out of the way. Uh, What do you got, Corey? Uh, 18-0 New England Patriots AFC Championship game. That was pretty exciting. Heading to the Super Bowl. Who'd they beat that year? I don't remember. <laughs> Doesn't matter. <laughs> so, 07? Uh, yeah. Yep. Or super early 08. Well, yeah. Depending it was, on what the game was. Yeah, it was AFC Championship, so it was probably January. Right. But it was, uh, it was a great game. It was exciting just being there. And that's just, that's followed up by every other Pats game I've ever been to with Jeff Berardino. Those yeah. are all my favorite Pats sports memories are. wrapped into one guy right there. He makes it happen. Yep. Um, that actually doesn't matter the, the sport. He's he's in my favorite Red Sox memories. Uh, Celtics. <laughs> I've never been to a Celtics game. But just memories of hanging out with Jeff and Noki and watching the final. It's Boston sports in general. Are, it the event is, you know, they all are kind of melded into one for me. Just, it's just magical going to a, a Boston sports game, yeah. and uh, you know, just being around this area. There's, uh, there's the area again. Yeah. Rewind. And the friends that get you there. Yeah. That's just such a, a big part of it. Whether you know, referencing right before your wedding, going to the garden. Like that's the only reason I saw that Pearl Jam show. Yeah. I remember finishing my master's degree you took me sitting to the only red sox yankees game i've ever been jeff was there too that's right yeah that's right and we're sat in the bleachers 
screaming at Jorge. Jorge! I don't think I can roll my R's like I used to. It was a Miller Light induced uh, verbal abuse of Jorge Posado. And he actually kind of made eye contact with us at one point, which was really funny. We, we would have, with the way fans and uh, athletes are now, we, we would have been an ESPN uh, for some sort of indictment for how we were going after him that night. Uh, or, I remember Walker took me to the only Pats games I've ever been to. Really? I'm embarrassed to say that I've never, uh, I've never been to Gillette, which is gross. I've never been able to afford the tickets, but saw them in high school. The whole Walker family went and had an extra ticket. That's the only reason I've been to a Pats game is, uh, is thanks to the Walkers. Sullivan Stadium? Sullivan Stadium, both yeah. times, yeah. Both times to the Giants. Uh, I think the Rod Rust era. Not strong Not teams. Not Steelers for Mr. Walker, huh? No. Uh, I was at the Doug Flutie dropkick game because of Jeff. I was there, too. <laughs> See yeah. how it happens? The pooch kick, a rugby move. Yes. Flutie, greatest rugby player to ever play in the NFL. I might have already been in the parking lot by that point, but knowing me. Sidney, I know you've got a list, like a legitimate <laughs> list of events that you needed to get to, and yeah. you, feel free to vamp. You've got the floor. I, yeah. I need to hear this list because I don't know what's on it. Well, you already mentioned the uh, <clears throat> the bleachers, you know, at, at Fenway. Yep. That was, uh, it must have been 06, right? No, it was 09 because that's 09? when I graduated. Okay. All right. Um so Amy and I used to get these packs of tickets for the Sox, and it was just a four-game block. You sat in the same seats for the all four games, and they always had Yankees tickets in them. Mm. So it was like, I can't remember any of the other teams. It didn't matter. At that point, the rivalry was like through the friggin' roof. Right. Like, 04 was peak, peak, peak. Definitely. And uh, so we were on the first base side, mired up in the, oh, those the grandstands there, I guess? Yeah. Um, under the overhang, yep. Um, you know, back by the lane. Well, not quite back that far, but same seats. <clears throat> Four games, two tickets. Um, and we were at uh, the Tech A Rod game. The fight. The fight. The ultimate, which in my I in my uh, opinion is the the turning point right. of I that agree. entire season. I think you're right. Um, I got. A Yankee fan kicked out after that, which is like, you know, okay, nothing up, you know, it's just one of those. It was a funny day. I remember when you first told me that, like, you, your, the level of hero that you were at to, to my son Joe when he found out, because he wasn't even alive for A Rod, and he hates A Rod so Good for much. Him. Yeah. Like our last conversation about it was yesterday. Oh, <laughs> I can't stand him. That's a yeah. nature. Over nurture thing right there. Yeah, yeah, that's like in yeah. New England. It's embedded. Yeah. Um, some of the others, like uh, we went to the Ted Williams Memorial ceremony they had at Fenway the year he died. Yeah, uh, that was pretty cool. Um, no game, just a you know a Teddy ball game celebration. Um, Gillette uh, Brady's last game. I was at. Were you really? Yeah. Wow. Uh, with Jeff. Uh, <laughs> it was a tough game. Uh, I can remember just sitting there talking to the kid next to me who they it's all season ticket holders there. And I was like, this is it. Damn. Like, there's no way he's coming back. I, I just, like, you could feel it in the air. Right. It was just, like, crazy. Um, I wasn't going to cry today. 
<laughs> and then uh, again, the Winter Classic at Gillette with Jeff, Amy, and a girl she used to work with. Uh, that was a great day. Nice. It was so fun. Bees versus Montreal. Yep. I think I can't even remember what year it was. It had to have been like. I see your list. I just got excited for the next one off <laughs> yeah, your list. Yeah. Sorry, I cheated. And, and uh, <laughs> as long as we're on uh, Gillette Stadium, we're just going to throw it back a couple of years before that to uh, being at the WBCN River Raid. Sure. Me, Corey, and Gasper went. Yep. And it was probably... I, I'm having trouble saying this, but it may have been the greatest rock experience of my life Damn. because... I mean, Sullivan Stadium, you know, aluminum seats, just bare bones. Yeah. Like, look at Gillette now, you're like, right. <clears throat> I mean, it pales in comparison to that. And um, Godsmack was there, Static X. Uh, Sounds 99-ish. Mm. Yep, I think it was 99 or 2000, maybe. The it was Godsmack, one or the other. The yep. Godsmack riot. Yep, and when Godsmack was on, the bleachers just emptied onto the field, which was G.A., so, security had no choice but to just open the whole stadium up. Jeez. And Corey and I saw the saw the moment and seized it. We went down onto the floor for STP, Wyland screaming into a megaphone, and we got how close to how close were we? Second row. I could just about touch the rail, but all we the were, people that made it to the rail were really big. Yeah, and we were just getting smushed because it was chaos, absolute chaos. Yeah. Like, they had lost control of the stadium. I had, I had a bad headache. I, I took a, yeah. quite a few shots that day. It was worth it. So we were... <laughs> I'd do it again. Way down front for Wylan, which, I mean... Would recommend. He was an amazing performer. Yeah. To see him up like I just that, remember like, that purple stage. Yeah. And the, you know, rock and roll sexy dancer he was yep yep <laughs> and um I'm glad if we get you on uh, re recording to say sexy dancer that Scott uh, Weiland was he did put it in a remix <laughs> and then probably one of the earliest brushes with uh fame and a close up venue that I ever had was uh Coolio down at Salisbury Beach in 94 <laughs> and I'm pretty sure it was uh Jeff Wynn Stringer and Jesse Britton Stringer. and Gerzak, I think. Shout out to the to those guys. Yeah, yeah. Um, it, all that are with us. Is that pre uh, Gangsta's Paradise, Coolio, or post? That is pre. pre. It's got to be pre. It is pre. Yeah. yeah. That was yeah. Slide, slide, slippity, slip, whatever. The yeah, yeah. Was. I yeah. I remember you. I remember you bringing the towel over to my yep, house. I got a towel. <laughs> I got a towel. <laughs> That's pretty much it. That's my list. All right. I, there's I'm, a little, there's a few more. There's one more on there. Can I say it? Please. Uh, coming out of the pandemic, um, whatever that was, when you couldn't go anywhere, couldn't mm. go to concerts, couldn't do anything. Um, so it was the, uh, my, the night before my birthday and, uh, it was, uh, I happened to see this kid playing guitar online a few months before and said, you guys aren't going to believe this kid. And I was able to procure six front row tickets and a balcony to go see Billy Strings. Huh. And if you haven't heard Billy Strings or of Billy Strings, 
you got to get out there and get yourself some Billy strings because yeah. what was, an event. It was and such a what, good show. What a venue. And to open up with a Rip Fire Red Daisy and actually go from bluegrass to the dead to Pearl Jam. He covers he, he covers Pearl Jam in hiding. In that show. In that Ooh. show, which well, is one of my songs. At the Wang. At the Wang Center. Theater. With yep. the venue. Yep. Was, we yeah. were back, but we were in a balcony, and there was no one in front of us. And uh, six tickets for $15 a piece. Yep. Yeah. And he's about to start doing arena shows. You know what I mean? Yep. He is. That's probably, to me... What a moment. It, yeah, it was a great... It was just a fun concert to be at. Oh, it was such a good time. Uh, <clears throat> it was, you know, and it was... The company was fantastic. Absolutely. Also. And, uh, you know, it's... That's it. But even at a bluegrass concert, we brought up Pearl Jam. Yeah. <laughs> I did drink Eddie Vedder's wine from my hat while at the rail in the front row next to Mike Smith and I only did that because before the show Jeff Berardino traded tickets with me so that I could have a chance wow. at the rail for once in my life so I owe him that too that's yeah. awesome That's you don't get a lot of that Pearl Jam people how about you Matt Jammers uh, yeah, I, I wanted to quickly just mention the maybe the, the next tier of events the things that you end up going to oh yeah uh, and like it's earlier this week, in large part because it's one of, you know, my twelve-year-old's favorite bands is Vampire Weekend, Ooh, and uh, and she just got tickets to nice. Vampire Weekend. I think in September. Cool. Uh, we took him to MGM to see Arcade Fire, uh, two years ago, kind of the same time that you yep. guys went to Billy Strings. Excellent. Uh, I remember taking her to a venue on Lansdowne to see Phoenix, a band I didn't really know but your I think, catalog goes deep yeah uh she was a big influence in some of the, the bands that i listen to now but i think and i'm interested if you guys have similar memories you know your relationship with events starts when you're young and a lot of it just might be what your family takes you to yeah and for me like the magic of my my dad being an iron worker that went into boston every day and growing up on Boston Road, there was just this piece of identity that, like, be, he had the cachet to, to give me this identity that connected to the city. And so when my dad took me into Boston, like, that was his territory, or it felt that way when I was a little kid, uh, that there was just always something magic about that to go see really two different things. It was going to see Bird in the Old Garden yep. in the 80s, or, and this just came up with... Uh, Sean Hanley and others just last night going to see WWF. Oh, yeah. You know, back in its heyday. And I, I was looking online last night trying to find the, the lineups from the five cards that I went to. I remember Hogan versus Kamala in the first one I ever went to, Harley Race in the second, Oof. Killer Khan in the third. He wasn't at the fourth one. I think it was Andre the Giant versus Hacksaw Jim Duggan. Oh, wow. And I feel like it was Hogan and Macho Man in the last one, which somebody else... Was it you, Corey? Ken, I think. Ken. Yes, Ken went to the same one. Shout out to Ken. Shout out Ken Robbins. Shout out Ken Robbins. That's right. So do you have any of those similar memories from either of you of being a kid and having your parents take you into something 
like I remember getting dragged to Barnum and Bailey's Circus. Yes. Yeah, we went to Joe Tecci's Italian restaurant across the street <laughs> from the old garden yes, beforehand on Causeway. Yeah, went to like Le Grand David at the Cabot Theater back in Beverly <laughs> no when I was a nice. magician. You ever remember Le Grand David? <laughs> I he remember like the name. He was there I forever. had the worst he allergy liked... attack at the circus. <laughs> really? <laughs> I'm allergic to elephants. <laughs> it's something you'd only find out at the circus, right? <gasps> yeah. Oh, and on this pod. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yep. yep, episode six, allergic to elephants. <laughs> what, uh, what about you, Jeremy? Anything? Did, did, like, did your parents ever take you into the city when you were little? What did they take yeah, you? Yeah, we went to museums more than sporting events. I could see so, that yeah. with Jane and Phil. Yeah, well, like, to the Gardner Museum, like, you know, stuff like that. Uh, the, you know, the Museum of Fine Arts. Yep. Uh, I believe the Gardner theft is still an open case. I yeah, don't know if you have anything that you want to confess to in no, this pod. No. <laughs> um, yeah, I'm trying to. Yeah, we and then I I did some uh, baseball games with my uncle, like because my family's from Connecticut originally, so a lot of them still live down there. We went like to see the Mets, to like Shea Stadium, bought tickets like at the at the stadium really? for like six mm-hmm. bucks a piece. Damn. Um, Oh, I don't. Know. I don't even know if they've redone Shea Stadium. I imagine they must have between now and the early '80s. Isn't it that City Field now? Oh, it is. Yeah, yeah right. Yeah, you're right. So yeah, it's not Shea Stadium. Um, yeah, all those old stadiums are gone. And this is why I didn't make a list because I knew if I had made a list, this podcast would have been two hours and forty three <laughs> minutes. Yeah. Well, any any last thoughts? Big events, little events. Red Sox game with my parents behind home plate was amazing mm. um, anything that my parents brought us to do when we got to do something was they made it sp- like so special yeah you know what I mean so all of that stuff you know kind of glows in my mind and but um, there's just too many right I'm a lucky guy it's especially that again that secondary that tertiary level like you were talking about the river rave I remember in 99 <laughs> like someone brought me Mike Packer actually uh brought me and some other people to the grave rave oh wow which was down by the waterfront i think like and like when you're like why am i seeing 311 in concert right now how did this happen the time Uh, we kidnapped skippy clifford and (laughs) brought him to tom petty we had an extra ticket at great woods yeah or at the garden Uh, no it was great woods okay yep he was he was just hanging out and we said hey you want to go to a concert and he said yeah yeah, we saw a lot of good shows at the Garden, too. Page and Plant, Petty. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's when we kind of... My first we still travel show... as a pack, but that was when <laughs> my we really first traveled show as a ever. pack. My first rock and roll show ever was gifted to me uh, from Benny Savage. Yeah. And he brought me to see Aerosmith. That's awesome. And that... brought me to the sweet uh, secret parking spot. While yes. I'm blowing up secret spots... Um, <laughs> by the locks. Benny had a parking, by the parking locks, spot. Right? Yeah, that was pretty crazy. And... Uh, you know, going in and seeing Aerosmith, yep. and they came out uh, dressed like Santa Claus because it was Christmas time. It was the pump tour, <laughs> of course. Love in an elevator. Yeah, it was amazing. Yeah, um, I went to BC, uh, Miami. It must have been the tenth anniversary of the Immaculate Reception. Mm. No, not the Immaculate Reception. The Flutie. Yeah, is that yeah. the Immaculate Reception? No. No, that's, the, that's, the, that's, uh, a Steelers that's a Steelers. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Whatever. Flutie's the Hail Mary. Right. Yeah. It was like, Gets it Miami. must have been the 10th. Yeah. And, um, you know, cool to be there and went through it. And years later, thumbing through the program that I 
probably still have somewhere because I don't get rid of stuff like that. It's all in a trunk. And uh, one Dwayne the Rock Johnson, uh, Rocky Maivea. Wow. Wow. On the Miami Hurricanes at that point in the. That's crazy. Dwayne um, Johnson. Should have known right. that, but yeah. never gave it any thought. Yeah. I do remember so, you, you showed me that. It's yeah. right on the uh, um, program. Yeah. So, All right. We're going to wrap. Unless you get one more in you. Uh, I got 50 more. Let's do a sequel. <laughs> All right. Yeah. Well, thank you, everyone, for listening to episode six of Times Before. It can be forgotten. We'll do this again soon. I'm Jeremy Sitnik. Shout out to Shane Hanley. This is Corey Thistlewood. And I'm Matthew Connery. Thanks again for joining us. We'll see you soon.